0: Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. So, so yesterday we looked at the, the background of the epistle, and the apostle Paul was on the move, wasn't he? And he eventually, uh, from moving on from Athens, he arrives in Corinth, and under inspiration, he writes these two epistles. And we provide a, a brief overview. You may recall, and you would have seen that it was an upbeat, it was an exhortational epistle, and, and remember. The Apostle Paul was very glad, wasn't he, when he received the news that they had believed that Jesus is Christ. Remember, he goes out to Corinth and preaches the very same lesson that had taken root in Thessalonica. We we also reflected upon that inner peace, and that was one of the questions I left you with yesterday. Um, This whole idea of being in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's something that should comfort us. Do you feel that place of security, do you feel that you are in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well today we're going to look at a theme, a theme that runs through the epistle and I've called it the Royal Triplets and it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, section of the book of Thessalonians and without unlocking this um, we will fail to understand the key message that runs throughout the book. So let's open up our Bibles then and remember that this ecclesia was an ecclesia that was facing persecution. It was an ecclesia that was compressed, but held the faith. Remember that? That that the pressure was there without, but there was sufficient strength and resolve within to counteract that pressure from without. And we said it was God's word working within the individual. But what we want to do this morning is to make that um, a little clearer for us what, in fact, was going on with these believers. What was it, brothers and sisters, and how can we draw excitation for ourselves? What was it that really framed their approach to life? The, the, the way that they saw and looked at challenges, what was it that allowed them to overcome? Is there something in God's Word that really will encourage us by understanding how they did it? In God's strength. Well, I believe there is. Well, yesterday, then we looked at verse 1. What we want to do now is look at chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 2. The introduction salutation has been made there in chapter 1, verse 1. And now the Apostle Paul goes on to say, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labour of love, your patience of hope, In our Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of God and our Father. Now, I was a little deliberate in the way that I read that. You may have observed there the royal triplet. If you don't know what the royal triplet is, then uh, look at verse 3 and you'll see it right away. The word faith, love and hope. You've heard of that before, haven't you? Of course, our minds go to the dissertation in 1 Corinthians 13, and it's also the Apostle Paul that picks out this recognisable triplet in Galatians 5, verses 5-6. to 6. So you can put in your margin 1 Corinthians 13, which you know, and Galatians 5, verses 5-6. to 6. But it's interesting, brothers and sisters, because this is the first time in reality that this is written. And this really frames that the thinking of the Apostle Paul. This was the first Ecclesia outside Philippi to respond to God's word, and we know that it was arguably the first epistle that Paul wrote. So, in other words, we are being introduced to faith, hope, and love not in 1 Corinthians 13, which is where we go to, but actually in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Well, that's first. um, That's worth making note of, isn't it? But but did you notice that there's another triplet, and this is where we're going to spend our exhortation this morning. There's another triplet that's going on. You've got faith, love and hope, but you've also got work, labour and patience. Can you see that? So you've got two sets of triplets, have you? Which, are, which is really fascinating. You've got faith, hope and love, the royal triplet which speaks of the inner man, the spiritual disposition and qualities of an individual believer in Christ, but you've also got work, labour and patience. Now how would you characterise work, labour and patience? Just reflect upon that for a moment. How would you characterise those words? Well, if you look in a concordance, you will find that each of those three words are, I I quote, marketplace terms. Worth putting that in your margin, marketplace terms. And what that means is that as you go out to market and you work in the market, these are the words that relate to the activities of being out in the marketplace. And it speaks of effort and endurance and application. And and that's an important point, isn't it? Because elsewhere we know faith without works is dead. So that whole notion of faith without works is dead is really eloquently summarised here, faith, hope and love, work, labour and patience. And what the Apostle Paul is, is going to develop now as a bit of a thesis is that an ecclesia and as individuals you need both. And you need both brothers and sisters in perfect harmony. And I think this morning it's going to be a little soul searching for us as we reflect upon our own lives and our own ecclesias and our own families. Whether we've got these three qualities as pairs within our lives. Now also I want you to notice what Paul says here. Notice, this is interesting isn't it? And and I've just been talking to the young people of 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath. And they thought they knew the story, and now at the end they realise they didn't, because they weren't looking at details. Details are all important. So, so what's the important detail here? Well, it's a um, it's a very unassuming word, isn't it? Very unassuming word. Remembering. Remembering without ceasing. Remembering. Just Just think about that for a moment, brothers and sisters. He's remembering. And he's remembering this ecclesia and the brothers and sisters. So what do you remember? You might remember faces. You might be even better and remember names. And when you remember faces and names of brothers and sisters, and it gets harder when you go and travel around the world and meet brothers and sisters from everywhere, but I try my best... When you remember those brothers and sisters, then what is the next thought that you have? Do you put them to prayer? Or do you open them up in your minds for criticism? We have a choice when we remember one another. Ah, remembering. That's what he's doing. There's a, there's a real genuine motivation here. There, there's love and we're going to see the importance of love. He loves these brothers and sisters and he's remembering them. And all the faces and the names and the characters and the conversations and the experiences and the ups and downs would come and they'd race through his mind. And he would commit them to prayer. And look at this, remembering without ceasing, without ceasing. And perhaps we may occasionally remember our brothers and sisters. And and, and that's a natural thing, isn't it, when we hear that they're in difficulty. But here Paul is doing it without ceasing. It's continuous. Your work of faith, notice. Your labour of love and your patience of hope, notice. In our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God. Now, I just want you to look at that word of... And a better rendering of that, and the way to understand it, there's something very dynamic. There's something very dynamic about these words. And I want to really plant these words in your mind. The word of really means the result of. So let me just, and you've got it on the screen, but let me reread these words. Your work as the result of your faith, your labor as the result of your love. Your patience as the result of your hope. There's something very dynamic about these words. One produces another. These are not six independent qualities. They are inextricably linked. One builds on another. One develops into another. So there's something here about a foundation. We've got to build a foundation if we are going to grow into the full stature of Christ. Again, so many themes in Scripture being brought out here. So we've got two sets of triplets, haven't we? But also, you've got a triple set of doubles. Can you see that? Work, labour and patience, faith, hope and love. You've got two sets of triplets. But in fact, one is the result of another. So you've got a triple set of couplets. Ah, isn't that lovely? You've got a triple set of couplets. And one word is the building block of another. So faith leads to work, love leads to labour, hope leads to patience. And this is remarkable because this is a, a young ecclesia. They're not even mature in Christ. They've, they've, they've abandoned paganism. And those Jews, a small number of them, have, have, have removed themselves from Judaism. And we would expect, wouldn't we, in, in, this, in this situation of persecution, that this would be a shaky ecclesia. Well, if you do, you can remove that thought, brothers and sisters. This was a solid ecclesia. More than that. This was an ecclesia that pleased Almighty God. It becomes a blueprint of all the ecclesias of the Gentiles. A a number that no man can number. The number of the elect. This is the blueprint, brothers and sisters. But think about these. and, And let's apply some of these words to ourselves. I would say, if you look at these characteristics, and you just think for a moment, and you think, well, how can they apply to me? How do they relate to me? Well, the first observation I make is that these characteristics are outgoing. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because faith, hope and love is a very internal quality. It relates to the inner man. I don't know how much faith you've got. I don't know any hope you've got. I don't really know how much love you've got. It's really seen in your work, labour and patience, isn't it? It's the inner man and the outer man. And you've got to get these things in balance. But in fact, when you put these things together, they are outward-facing. There's an emphasis here on the outwardness. So faith is directed towards God. Love is directed towards one another. And hope is directed towards the perusia, the coming of the king, the coming of the emperor. Can you see that? These are outward qualities, brothers and sisters. So so you need to reflect upon it. Are these seen in your life? These are things that we can see. So so don't feel so comfortable and think, well, you don't know whether I've got any faith. And often we we, we kind of use that as a little bit of a defense, don't we? Well, it doesn't really matter what people think. because it's what God looks upon. God looks upon the heart. Uh -uh. Paul says, no. If, If you've got these qualities in harmony, I can see it. Your brothers and sisters can see it. Your family can see it. These are outward-going qualities. And so, in other words, if no one can see it, you haven't got it. Ah, now that makes life very uncomfortable, doesn't it? And these qualities also... Um, they're ever-present. Have you thought about that? So so faith rests on the past. You, you develop a faith based upon those things that you have experienced. And, and of course our faith rests upon Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the living Lord. That there's something very backward-looking, though of course it is forward-looking. You understand what I'm saying? Faith is strengthened by our understanding of God's Word. Love is seen in the present, isn't it? In the way that we are with one another, the way that we act, and so importantly, the way that we speak to one another. The way that we speak to one another. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we wouldn't speak to our worst enemies in the way that we speak to one another around the ecclesial world. And hope is future. Again, it's the parousia. So we've got something here that's ever-present. These three qualities are seen, past, present and future. You've got the name of God here, haven't you? In the imperfect tense. Isn't that lovely? And there's something here about these qualities, if they apply and they hit the heart of an individual they reorientate our lives they reorientate our lives because we are drawn up towards God in faith we are drawn out towards others in love and we are drawn on towards the parousia in hope and what is more these are not abstract qualities they're concrete they're practical aren't they a true faith leads to good works faith without works is dead a true love leads to labour for one another. And, and if we don't labour for one another, then what is it? Our love is merely sentimental, isn't it? If I say to you, I, I love you and I'm going to do something for you, and I don't do it, that, that's mere sentiment, isn't it? That, that's, not mere, that, that's not real love. That's an expression of love. But that's mere sentiment, that's mere emotion. And a true hope looks expectantly for the Lord's return and is prepared to endure persecution and opposition because that person is confident of the things to come. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, hoped for, hoped for. Something of the future. Isn't that interesting? These qualities reorientate our lives. Now, now, brothers and sisters, this is why we've called this theme for this week a, a modern or a model ecclesia for a modern world. And this ecclesia is active, it's vibrant, it's energetic, it's like a dynamo. Does this describe your family? Does this describe your ecclesia? Does this describe you, brothers and sisters? I want this morning to be very searching because we're going to see that every person who attains to the kingdom of God needs to have these two sets of triplets in perfect and they have to be in perfect harmony. So ask yourselves whether... There's any aspect of those characteristics that you need to develop. Now, what I want to do now, I want to provide a case study. Come with me to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews now. Hebrews chapter 6. Now, once we've noticed this triplet, it pops up in the most unlikely of places. And here the writer of the Hebrews is is elaborating on what the right, a good ecclesia, looks like. See if you can spot these two sets of triplets. I'm sure you will. So we're going to pick up then in Hebrews chapter 6, and this is a little case study of these two triplets that we've just seen in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So verse 9 then. Uh, The writer says, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. Okay, So here he is, Paul, or the writer to the Hebrews, is saying, I'm going to talk about uh, the things that are needed in an individual's life that attain to salvation. So that grabs our attention, doesn't it? We want to hear about the things that will help us to attain to salvation. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love. Oh, do you spot that? Happened quickly, didn't it? Which ye have showed toward his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope and to the end. That ye be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So the conclusion of the matter is that you will inherit the promises. If you want to hear about those things that are saying to salvation, well, we'll follow these things, says the writer of the Hebrews. And if you follow these things faithfully, you will inherit the promises. Can we see what they are? Well, I think the first triplet is easy, isn't it? Because you see there, uh, three lines down in my Bible, in verse 10, I've got love. The last line of verse 11, I've got hope. And the final, the penultimate verse in verse 12, I've got faith. Have you got that? Love, hope and faith? Have you spotted that? There's your triplet. You've got a royal triplet there. We'll also notice in verse 10, not unrighteous to forget your work and labour. Oh, there's the first two. And then, right at the end of verse 12, faith and patience. There you are. You've got the two sets of triplets. Work, labour and patience, faith, hope and love. How many of you had noticed that before? Well, at least you're honest. So this is the case study. This is the application. And, and, And Paul here is saying, if you want to attain to salvation, inherited the promises... You've got to have these two sets. So this is a a thriving ecclesia. Now I want to make a contrast for you. And this is an interesting contrast because you would not expect it. I want you to go to the book of Revelation and we're going to look now at the letter to the ecclesia at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, and it begins so well, doesn't it? Revelation chapter 2, and we want to start now in verse 2. Revelation chapter 2. Remember, we're looking for triplets. We're out on the search for triplets. Revelation 2, verse 2. The Lord Jesus Christ then says to this ecclesia at Ephesus, I know thy works and thy labour and thy patience. Oh, had you noticed that before? Perhaps not. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. These are words of commendation. This was an ecclesia that kept evil out. But he goes on, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has laboured, and has not fainted. So it's more than that. It keeps, it keeps evil out. They're like Phineases. They're like Phineas, they're zealous for the Lord. They're like Elijah, zealous for the Lord. They keep evil out. They're, they're good in doctrine. And it's tireless, brothers and sisters. If you turned up at this ecclesia on a Sunday morning, the recording brother would, would stand up and would announce all the things that are going on in this ecclesia. And if you were visiting the ecclesia at Ephesus, you go, you go Sister Lindsay, what an amazing ecclesia. This, this ecclesia is tireless. Did you hear all those announcements? They've got a committee for everything. Their ecclesia is open every single day. They're a model ecclesia, you would comment. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. If you've lost your first love, you have no faith, hope and love. You've got work, labour and patience. Oh yes, you've got that in abundance. But you've got no faith, hope and love. Now brothers and sisters, you describe in your minds what's going on. And this is a very important lesson. What were they doing? They were doing something out of ritual. They were doing something about keeping up appearances. And there was no genuine motivation. Not my words, but the Lord's words. Have you ever found yourself in that? Now, brothers and sisters, we've all found ourselves in that situation. And, and it's, it's described in a very simple way, isn't it? When you're doing something when your heart's not in it. Have you been there? I have. When when I'm busy and there's talks to prepare and then suddenly, you know, Sister Lindsay says, you've got to pick someone up this afternoon. I'm thinking, I haven't got the time. I've got a study to get done by tomorrow. You've got to pick her up and do it with a smile. I don't want to do it with a smile. You're doing it with a smile. But it's a very important lesson, isn't it? Because we all find ourselves on Sunday mornings keeping up appearances, don't we? we? We all do it. A little self-righteous, trying to convey that we're a lot better than we actually are in reality. If, if everyone could see what we had done that week, just like the Lord Jesus Christ who could discern the intents of men's hearts in his ministry. Oh, thank God we don't have that power. Sunday mornings would be a depressing affair, wouldn't they? And so then what we're being told, and it's a fascinating observation, is that if you've got no love for God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and your brothers and sisters, then you've got nothing. You've got nothing. Nothing. You'll be chasing your tail for the rest of your life. And at the end of it, you will be disappointed. Not only in this lifetime, but in the lifetime to come. Think about that, brothers and sisters. We can all pack our diaries with important things to do in the truth. Making ourselves looking busy and important and indispensable. Elijah had to learn that lesson. You're going to pass the mantle on now to Elisha and to others. You're not indispensable in my service. Let us never forget that, brothers and sisters. And this is an important lesson for me too. Let us never forget that. Let's never do something out of ritual. Let's never do something in the the Lord's service when our heart is not in it. Because God does not want that service ever. And so, the Lord Jesus Christ says, nevertheless, I find you wanting. You know, when I think about these qualities, there's something here about a development. Just just think about this for a moment. The work of faith. And we can describe, couldn't we, Thou our work in the service of the Lord as we commit ourselves to Him through the waters of baptism. We're working through faith, aren't we? We have a faith in Scripture. It is a solid understanding. We believe in these things in the name of God and the coming kingdom of God. And so then, our work is driven by our faith. But then something else happens to us, doesn't it? As we work and labour Love begins to develop. And that translates into labor. And then something happens to our perspective. In all the ups and downs of life, we're prepared to wait in patience. Would you say that that describes the triplets? I would. There's a development there, and it's lovely, isn't it? Because our understanding in God and our belief in God, we develop a love. Now, that's the important stage. It's the second stage. We develop a love, and what happens with that love? What happens to get to the next triplet? To wait in patience. I would suggest something has happened to our character, isn't it? Can you see that? It's so profound we're laboring with our faith and then love happens and then love transcends our situation and suddenly we begin to develop into the character of God and we become patient in our tribulation ah, isn't that lovely so profound isn't it brothers and sisters So so if you think about these as stages, just think about yourselves this morning. Where are you? Where am I? Perhaps we move up and down at times. Where are you today? Where have you been this week? Where have you been this year, brothers and sisters? Well, this is fascinating, isn't it? Because now we, we kind of have another concept The Ecclesia at Ephesus, if you've got no love, it's a ritual. Okay? But if these are gradations or stages of development of the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then what do you start with? What do you start with? Faith, thank you. Without faith it is impossible. you thought about that word? impossible. God can do all things but without faith it is impossible even for God to be pleased with you. So faith is the foundation. You need faith. And so we all need to be praying for God to develop our faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence things are not seen. Faith. And once we've got that foundation, that foundation stone in our life, what do you need every single day? It's like the oil that keeps you going. It's love, isn't it? Can you see that? Faith is your foundation stone. You can't get off. The first place without faith. That's your first step. But to continue walking to the kingdom of God, these triplets are telling us you need love. You need love. And without love, you stop in your tracks. You stop in your tracks, brothers and sisters. So with those thoughts in mind, let's now think of these Thessalonians, these brothers and sisters. Come back with me to the first chapter of the first epistle. And I want you to imagine this. There is, I don't know if any of you have been to Thessalonica, I, I, I don't think any of you have. You didn't show any hands yesterday. But if you go to Salonica today, Mount Olympus is just 50 miles away. In fact, you can see it from the city walls. And Mount Olympus is the place where all the the false gods resided. And the one at the top was Zeus, the captain of the thunder and the weather. There he is at the top. And all the other gods resided there. And for the Ecclesia and the brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, they could see it every day. Every day they woke up, they could see Mount Olympus. And they have abandoned the gods. They have abandoned Mount Olympus, yet they could visibly see it. you see the point? You've got to see the unseen God, says Paul. The unseen God. Now, I don't think we really appreciate at times what a big deal it was for these early believers to abandon idolatry. Just think about these, these contrasts. Idols are dead. God is living. Idols are false. God is true. Idols are many. God is one. Idols are visible and tangible. God is invisible, intangible, and beyond reach. Idols are creatures, the works of human hands. God is the creator of the universe and humankind. You couldn't have more opposite extremes. One polarized the other. Yet it would appear that they uh, made this um, translation in a seamless way. They were uh, translated. Their hearts were translated to God. And and, and what I want to do is to show you that this double set of triplets here apply to this ecclesia. Have a look at verse 9. It says there in verse 9 for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you from God and how he turned you to from God uh, turned to God from idols to serve the living God and true God and to wait for his son so so just i want you just to notice these phrases here uh, first of all in verse 9 you've got turned to God Then you've got serve the living God. And then in verse 10, you've got waiting for his son from heaven. And I would suggest that you've got the triplet there. Turn to God. If you're going to turn to God, what is that? That is the first step, isn't it? Isn't that the work of faith? Isn't turning to God, Yahweh, the living God, the work of faith? And then serving the living God. Well, what what motivates your serving? Isn't that love? Isn't that the labour of love? I think it is. And then verse 10 waiting for his son from heaven. Well, isn't that the final one? Patience of hope. Ah, isn't that lovely? Here, here, Here Paul is saying you need two sets or triplets, but it's not in theory, it's in application. This ecclesia had it. They'd done it. They'd abandoned the gods. They'd committed themselves. They were serving in love. They were waiting for the parousia. They were there, brothers and sisters. Are you? They were. Were you? You turned, verse 9, to serve, verse 9, to wait, verse 10. I'd like you to underline those words. We're going to come back to a very personal exhortation in a moment. You turned to serve, to wait. And as you underline those words, ask yourself, have you? Have you turned? Are you serving? Are you waiting patiently, brothers and sisters? Now there's a very interesting application here and I want you to come to chapter 4. And Paul gives an example. It's a very sensitive example but we should not deny the word of God, brothers and sisters. I want us all to look very carefully at these words. The Apostle Paul gives a very Simple and practical lesson something that we should all observe and he's going to say look these two sets of triplets are seen in a believer's life and I'm going to go to the most sensitive matter possible and I'm going to talk about marital relationships now brothers and sisters I am not casting any finger at anyone let's just read God's word together and draw out the exhortation it is sensitive but it is a real example so let's look at it so here then in chapter 4, Paul is saying these words. Look, I'm going to give you a practical example now of these two sets of triplets. For this is the will of God, he says in chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in Sanctification and honour. Well, the word sanctified there means to set apart for divine use or to be separate from sin. Now, now this was a major problem in the early Ecclesia because um, they really struggled in maintaining sexual purity. That The brothers and sisters across the Asian world, pagan religion, condoned sexual immorality. And under Roman tradition and custom... Um, the Romans had no boundaries at all. No moral boundaries, brothers and sisters. And so this ecclesia, this young ecclesia, were encouraged not to participate in sexual activity outside the marital relationship. Now this is an example, brothers and sisters, and we are living in an immoral world where there is no respect of marriage. The Lord Jesus Christ says they're going to be giving in marriage. They don't even give in marriage. It's as if we've gone even beyond the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're such at the bring, brothers and sisters. There's no respect of marriage. And it's happened in ten years. If that. If that. And here the Apostle Paul says, look. Faith, hope and love. Work, labour and patience is seen in the way that you handle your body. And so, look at verse 4. Every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honour. Now, let's just look at a a word here. The word vessel, I don't think the revised version margin's got this right, actually. that The word vessel, when we look at this context, can either mean a wife or a man's body. If you're making notes... The example of a wife is in 1 Peter 3, verse 7. And an example of the body is in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Okay, So an example of a wife is in 1 Peter 3, verse 7. And the example of the body is in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But when you look at the context here, I believe that the vessel here means a man's wife. And the teaching here is that every man who is married, who has the blessing of having a partner in the Lord, should treat his wife at all times honorably and decently. And he should never, ever, from God's word, stoop to marital unfaithfulness. Why? brothers and sisters, given the things that we've said. And I think this helps us to frame this eternal problem. Verse 6, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testify. Now what I've got in my my Bible here, and I've marked it myself, I've actually underlined, possess his vessel in sanctification and honour in verse 4, and I've also underlined verse 6, to defraud his brother. And what Paul is saying here, if you love your brother, if you really love your brother, you will not steal the affections of the thing that he loves more than anything else, his wife. If you love your brother, you will not steal the affection of someone else's wife. That's the example, brothers and sisters. It's an important one. And and look at this. Look at the tone. Paul goes on to say in verse 9, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia, but that we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. You you love one another, and that was the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love one another as I loved you, and I want you to do it more and more. Now, if we love one another, brothers and sisters, we won't do anything to harm one another, will we? Helps us to frame that problem, that moral problem of loving one another. Something we all should reflect upon, brothers and sisters. This is the case study that the Apostle Paul says. He goes to the very heart of the problem of the Thessalonica, where immorality pervaded the world. And he says, look, faith, hope and love, work, labour and patience, I'll see it in you if you abstain from that type of behaviour. An important lesson, brothers and sisters. Um, Let's just look at the words of Paul and perhaps now um, link these words. 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope and love and and that triplet. But now with these thoughts in mind, perhaps now it takes on a slightly different emphasis. 1 Corinthians 13. If you love one another, you won't do those things. Verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13. and, And just connect these words now with the example that we've just shared. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, Love suffereth long, love is kind, love envieth not, charity, or love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, notice, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, notice, rejoiceth not in iniquity, notice, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, love never faileth, Paul said. So love is seen in our actions and the very emotions of men's hearts. What a powerful lesson, brothers and sisters. Well, the Apostle Paul, as we know, he was strong, he was resolute, he was hardy, he was courageous, he was chaste, wasn't he, from city to city. And what we're going to see now is that even though he was a man of great fortitude, he was able to express himself in the most timid And beautiful of ways. Let's go back to to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. And what we want to do now is um, pick up these lovely metaphors. There's four actually. Um, There's four metaphors. And here Paul is saying, look, you've got to love each other as I love you. And and I'm going to show you now how much I love you. And I want you to think about four different characters in your life. I'm going to show you, says Paul, how I'm just like these four characters. Now, now, four of these metaphors we, we read here, two are explicit, two are implicit, but all are loving. And you're going to see this in a moment. So, first of all, then, we come across a steward. So, Paul says, right, then, I'm going to give you four, four metaphors. This is how much I love you. You've got to love one another. Think of me as a steward. Well, here, then, in chapter 2 and verse 4, we read these words. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel... Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which crieth our hearts. Now, you may notice that the word steward is not mentioned there, and I call this the first metaphor, but it is rather implicit. Notice that, to put in trust. Look at that, to put in trust with the gospel. The word put in trust is obviously the word entrusted. And the idea in the Greek is a householder who is entrusting a steward with his property. Okay? That's the picture. It's an owner of a house and he leaves the house and he entrusts his house, his property, his possession with his steward. Now, why is Paul trusted with something? Well, he goes on to say, God which trieth our hearts, notice in verse 4. So he's trusted because he's been tried. And that word trieth there means proved. He's been examined. So, in other words, then, Paul has been entrusted with the gospel because God has examined him and found him faithful. And so then, God has entrusted him with the gospel. He hasn't just entrusted him with the gospel he's entrusted him because he's been tried and he's come through he's proved himself now that's interesting isn't it that's really really fascinating because here paul is saying look i'm a steward i'm a steward of the gospel that's what he's saying i'm a steward of the gospel think of me as a steward of the gospel i'm i'm a i'm a possessor of the gospel you you can trust me but you can trust him because he's been tried and God has seen his character. And because of his good character, God has entrusted him with the gospel for safekeeping. know, ah, that's fascinating, isn't it? Because, brothers and sisters, we, we believe that we are entrusted with the gospel, don't we? We have the truth. We have the truth. And we do. But there's something more here than just sharing the gospel with others. God's not looking for that. He's not looking for you just being a vessel. He's looking for you to be a tried vessel. And the only way that you can be trusted with the gospel is if you've been proven. When you've not only felt the highs, but you've got through the lows in faith. Can you see the point? Can you see the point, brothers and sisters? And so God doesn't want you just to be a mouthpiece for him. He wants you to become a character of him. A character. We're not robots that just listen to the gospel and hand it on. God's not looking for that. He could do that without you. He's looking for a character that develops. And if that character is faithful, then you are entrusted with the gospel to share with others. So it's not just merely about sharing the gospel. You have to have a character. A character, brothers and sisters. Well, he goes on to say, look, I'm not only this, but I'm also, and this is a contrast, I'm also a mother. Look at verse 7. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her Children. Um, the New King James Version says, as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Can you see the word gentle there? If you've got the Revised Version, you'll see babes. So this is a mother, and he's, he's looking. Well, I've said he, it's a mother here, but it's poor, and he's looking to the ecclesia and He's saying, you're, you're just like babies. You're my children, and I love you like a mother. And I'm going to show you great affection and love. Those of us who are ecclesial leaders. At times we can become a little self-centered and autocratic, can't we? And when someone challenges our authority, we tend to assert our authority. But if we had the love of a mother, that agape, that affectionate love. You wouldn't behave like that. In fact... So many of the ecclesial problems around the world would vanish if more of our elders behave like mothers. Like mothers, brothers and sisters. And so ask yourselves the question, in your ecclesial activities and and arranging brethren, in your AB meetings, in your business meetings, do you show love, care and affection for one another? Because Paul is is developing this idea that he's not only these characters, but we have to emulate these characters in life. Now, we'd all like to be stewards, wouldn't we? But sometimes it's a little inconvenient to be a mother. Uh, look at verse 7. Um, gentle among you as a nurse that cherisheth her children. Nursing mother. She's, she's, a, she's a mother that nurtures and cherishes her children, you'll gain, if you've got the revised version, you'll have own children. The picture here, it's a very intimate picture. It's a mother feeding her children from her breast. And notice that expression, being affectionately desirous of us. You only get that here in the scripture. And you know what it is? Being affectionately desirous, it, is, it, 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 it depicts, and I've seen a few mums like this this week. It it depicts a mother who's cooing, baby talk. Often we pass a a mum or sometimes a father actually talking to the baby and go, what are they talking about? The cooing. Do you know what? Those of you who've got children, have you ever been so lost in your love for anyone than that moment when you are talking in baby language to your own child? Every mum can remember that, and as a father of three, I remember that as well. I'm not ashamed. I had some good cooing language. Uh, It had to be translated. (laughs) This is the intimate picture, brothers and sisters, of the Apostle Paul. He was cooing, and as the word of God was going out of his mouth, it was like milk draining from his breast. you like that in the ecclesial life? Paul, this hardy man for God, who survived shipwreck and stoning. This is him, here, before us, in this intimate way. He was also a father. Have a look at verse 11. As ye you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So he was a father. He was a man who gave example and instruction and wisdom and counsel. And you would expect Paul to do that, wouldn't you? That This is a natural role for Paul to perform. But not in conjunction with being a mother. Now we brethren, we like being the fathers of Israel. We like being referred to as the fathers of Israel. That The elders of the brotherhood. But it has to be done in conjunction with all the other qualities. Otherwise, it's in isolation and it's out of balance. It is out of balance. Otherwise. Now, for me, I have put it out of sequence because for me, this is important. What else is he? Verse 9, the fourth character, he's their brother. Oh, how lovely that is. Remember, I said Paul doesn't even say he's an apostle. He has no need to credentialize himself. And he's saying, you know what? I'm the guardian of truth. I'm a mother that expresses affection. I'm a father that gives you a word in season. But you know what, brethren? I'm your brother. And I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to work with you. Shoulder to shoulder. To the kingdom. Do we do that? Some of us might think we're a little too important at times. To put the chairs out, the tables out. Help with hospitality. The little things in the truth. We're we're too important to do those kind of things. We're a father in Israel. We've got to expound God's word. Whatever it is what an amazing thing that Paul could say I'm your brother I'm your equal and though under inspiration I write this letter I'm your equal and we're all equal in the sight of God and so brothers and sisters I'm going to ask you some big questions here are are you stewards are you safe keepers of the truth are you guardians of truth are you guardians of truth are you zealous for the the lord do you stand up when you hear error but at the same time are you allowing god to work in your life to develop that character so that you are a a safe deposit of truth character that's what we're looking for are you a mother A mother of Israel, even you brethren. Are you a mother of Israel and you love the brothers and sisters? And you know what love is, brothers. Just think of your own children and hopefully your wife. Are you mothers? We need to be mothers. And I, I appeal to the elders here. Be mothers also. Be mothers also. Show in the way that you handle your brothers and sisters and your flock and your congregation That you love them. Are your fathers? Are you going to protect your family? Really protect. Protect your family because you love them. And you want every member of your family to enter into God's kingdom. Or do you not care if brother X or sister Y is not there? Because they've been very disruptive in life. We shouldn't be like that, brothers and sisters. You know what Jesus says in John chapter 10? He says, I'm the hand of God. I'm now the hand of God. You know the sheep in God's hand? Well, that's my hand. The Lord Jesus Christ says in John chapter 10, and I will not lose one of my sheep. Not one sheep will escape the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that needs to be our attitude in life. And are we brothers and sisters? And we get involved in ecclesial life, and we roll up our sleeves and we work hard. I just want to go back in our closing remarks here in, in chapter 4 and just glance down verses 9 and 10 of chapter 4 to, to love one another and that ye increase more and more. At the end of verse 9, to, to love one another and to do it and to increase it more and more. And so, as I said, that, that's really the oil. That's the thing that keeps every go, everything going. Love is the essential ingredient. Faith is the foundation. That's your solid base. But love is the, the oil. It keeps everything moving. It keeps you moving, your family moving, your ecclesia moving, the brotherhood moving. And we are to develop these two sets of triplets in our lives, brothers and sisters. But without love, as Paul says elsewhere, you're like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You'll, you'll never get true harmony. You'll always be out of kilter. So I'll leave these questions with you. As I said earlier on in the talk, I was going to leave these three questions with you. And at the conclusion now, ask yourselves these questions. Have you truly turned? What idols do you have deep in your hearts? Have you broken away? The Thessalonians, they could see Mount Olympus and they had left all of them. Are you really serving? Do you do it with a genuine heart? Or do you do it out of ritual, keeping up appearances, looking a lot better than you actually are? And are you patiently waiting? Do you long for the kingdom of God? Are your minds really focused on the Lord's appearing?